Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Circuit 42. I'm your host, Ian, and I am here with special guest, comic artist, badass martial arts guy, and the coolest man in the world, Mike Diodato Jr. Hey. <laughs> hey. How have you been? It's been a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting old. Balder. <laughs> yeah, but you're a beast, so I think you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everything is okay. It couldn't be better. It's to give some people the context, because we this is actually your third time on the show. I'm actually really excited. Um when we first had you on the show, it was when you're right in the middle of your of your Marvel your Marvel contract, your Marvel ex- exclusive. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the second time we had you on the show, it's like the Diodata trilogy. The second time we had you on the show, you had just left Marvel and started pursuing uh, independent work. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when I saw the, pretty much the oh. moment I saw the Flash cover, uh, when that was when that was re- when the previews were released for that online, I was like, okay, I need to get a hold of Mike because this is really cool. So I know you've been doing some covers for DC Comics recently. Um, how did this come? How did this come about? Because I know, like we said, you've been working on a lot of independent titles. Um, coming back to and working with JMS again, which right. is super cool. Um, and which we're going to definitely touch on later. Uh, how did this happen, though? Oh, me going to DC or yeah? Well, specifically, well, DC, and because it's interesting seeing your work on DC again because it reminds mm-hmm. me of when I was a kid reading Batman during Nightfall, okay. and then like. Seeing this is just crazy. Yeah, yeah I was. I was uh, I'm still happy. I'm still doing stuff for for AWA Studios, but I I missed doing superheroes. I told that <laughs> that I would miss that. I knew I would miss them, so I decided to take a break and do some stuff for superheroes. And then, since I was already I had already done everything at Marvel, I decided to go to DC and see what they had for me. And I was lucky because they were they were planning um, a revival. Um, I know, not revival. A new direction for Flash and uh, with Cy si, si or C Spurrier. I don't know. I think to... it's Cy Spurrier. Okay. And uh, it's an amazing idea, very great script. And then, uh, okay, I mean... And that's it. I'm the middle of the hurricane, running as flash, as a flash, as fast as flash. I've got to ask about this because, really, um, unfortunately, while the movie did not perform as, as well in theaters as I was hoping, I really, I love, I saw the flash movie in theaters and I actually really loved it. And I it I was, it's, it's fun. It's definitely better than a lot of those. It's, it seems like people are finally picking up and realizing. How good it is now after it's been out, like on streaming and Apple and all oh. that and HBO. But um, yeah, I personally enjoyed it a lot, and um, I love Cy Spurrier's writing. Like you and I talked about earlier, I'm a big X Men guy, and you definitely know this. Oh. Um, so seeing one of the recent X writers, I I really love jumping onto the Flash, and then seeing your name on there too. It's like this is really cool. But um, the, the thing the that other thing is. Uh, the first book I did for DC Comics was Flash, not oh, Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah, because uh, uh, before I started Wonder Woman, they gave me uh, a full issue of Flash for me to ink. 
So I did that, and then Wonder Woman. I I get. I think they were published at the same time, but I did it first. So thirty years later, here I am doing Flash again. So yeah, because I remember that was during um, um, yeah, because that was right around the same time you were doing Flash and you were doing Thor with um, you were doing Thor with Warren Ellis, and I, I'm I'm blanking on the writer that you that you worked with on uh, on Wonder Woman. But yeah, I didn't realize that you linked on the Flash because I'm so used yeah. to seeing you as a penciler and inker. They they weren't so this actor wasn't satisfied with the pencils. He asked me if I could save <laughs> the art, and uh, I don't know if I I I I made it, but it was fun. And that so was with it, um Mark Wade, right? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I think it was he was on a trial, kind of a trial or something like that. Yeah, it was it was Flash. I think it was eight nine. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah, one. yeah. I I absolutely loved the Mark Wade run, and so I'm like, wait, my T Dotto did a Flash comic with Mark Wade. I'm like, I need to go find this because that's awesome. <laughs> but um, looking at this because your characters that you draw. They tend to be they tend to be larger than life, you know. Like they tend to be like the Hulk. They tend to be Thanos, who's just chilling behind you. But um, yeah, the Flash is kind of diametrically opposed to that because he's a runner. Like he is lean by nature, and I want to ask about that because a lot of people remember your work on Spider Man, and this is kind of you going back to that, going back to those leaner superheroes. Yeah, it's it's a, a similar situation. Uh, because uh, I remember in, when I was doing uh, Spider-Man, I tried to make it lighter, and less shadows. <laughs> and yeah. uh, same thing here, although uh, um, there is a lot of uh, dark stuff, and, but uh, I'm trying to keep it uh, a little bit lighter. Um, but... And the same, the same thing for the character. I, I used to draw very strong, bulky characters, and now I'm doing a skinny one, <laughs> like Spider-Man. And and it's a very, it's yeah, it's similar too because uh, there is a lot of acrobatic movies in Spider-Man. I always, I, I remember I did some scenes with multiple, multiple. Um, figures of Spider-Man jumping, and I have to do the same thing here with with Flash, multiple <laughs> images of him running. It's um, the script is very complex to draw, a lot of things happening, and so yeah, it's uh, that's the the, the the only that's the only difference I, I guess because the 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 Spider-Man was was more psychological more uh, uh, it was more uh, not psychological more um, about emotions and uh, drama and uh, it, this is it has these moments too but it's more focused on terror cosmic and uh, and of course the jokes <laughs> flash jokes so how much because like you said, this is much more account. This is really complex in terms of illustration oh, yeah. and script that you've worked on. Looking at it, 
and I've always wondered about this with you. Do you tend to lean more towards uh, the layouts and scripts as described by the writer, or do you tend to work with your own layouts? How does that work? Yeah, I, um, I really prefer do my own thing. Uh, I hate when people tell me what to do or what to draw. <laughs> so uh, uh, my my, I, I like this way. I, I don't tell you how to write, and you don't tell me how to draw. So that's <laughs> basically how I I, I deal with writers. Uh, yeah, so they they. People know me, they know what I can do, so they 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 relax and let me do my thing. So it's uh, never had any problem with that. The reason I mention it is because the and I wonder if this is just some influence that you drew from um that you drew from your time working with Brian Michael Bendis, is that if you look at the preview pages, you have these broken up smaller panels forming those larger images, and it reminds me a little bit of the way um, Bendis kind of work, would work with writers and have the little tiny panels. And I'm wondering, is that kind of division, that kind of breaking up, is that some kind of influence from your time working with Bendis? No, actually it was um, uh, it's more, uh, I was influenced by Steranko and uh, nice. especially what he did on the, uh, Outland, an adaptation of the... Oh, the, the one by Sean, the one the heavy metal one for Sean, Con Sean Connery. Yeah, that's classic. He did for have metal, and he he uses some some lines crossing the the page, and also uh, I I mix a little bit with what Chris Bacalo did on Death. Yeah, also use some, and then uh, I put my thing, and that's the result. It's uh, I think it's a, a kind of a, a, a my style now, but I use only when. Uh, when the script is 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 good for it, like when I did um, uh, western for uh, AWA Studios uh, Redemption, I thought it would work better if I used very classic uh, uh, pen paneling, you know, one not not crazy layouts. So it depends on what the script uh, asks, and I think it is it is perfect for Flash. Because yeah. especially because a lot of things happening and uh, multiple panels, multiple flashes, and uh, it, it just adds to the to the to the, the story. I think I agree because you really you need to have that constant kineticism. Oh, yeah. by the way, by the way, uh, did you see? <laughs> uh, Steranko did a, a made a, a quote for red red zone. My I didn't book. see that. You gotta oh, tell me. Yeah, the the they are. Uh, it's printed on the on the cover of the trade paperback. It's fantastic because a friend of mine is interviewing me for. Um, uh, his name is uh, Greg Biga. He's writing for uh, those two morals books. Uh, I think it's called Book Creator. He, he he did a, a series of interviews for uh, with me, and then he was exchanging emails with Steranko, and then he mentioned me, and and then Steranko, oh, I read, I I read Red Zone, and and it is this, this, and this, and then he he told me, and then oh my God, I have to use it in the book, so he asked permission, and his guys are genius, so 
uh, it's like a prize for me to have his uh, quote in my book. I've got to, I've got to tell you, you mentioned um, Chris Piccolo. Uh, Chris Piccolo, um, seriously, one of my favorite comic artists. The first thing I read from him back when I was, I think I was 10, like nine or, oh yeah, I would have been like nine or 10 years old when Generation X number one came out. And even as a kid, I was like, this is different. This is nothing like anything else that oh, I looked at. And, um, he doesn't do a lot of conventions. He doesn't do a lot of appearances, I've noticed. But I was fortunate because I had initially approached him a couple of years ago during the pandemic to do a podcast. And we weren't able to get him on the show. He's just busy. But um, I was like, I don't think I will ever meet this man at a convention. I'm going to ask if I can get some comics signed right now. And so I just sent a I sent a box and he sent me a little card with Magneto and he drew like little stars and little X's all over everything and he signed like my uh my death hardcover. Um uh, cool. he signed my uh, X-Men hardcover. And now they've been doing the Generation X collections. Have you seen those? No, not yet. Oh, they've been doing you know the big the epic collections from Marvel? The mm-hmm. thick trades? They've done they're on volume three. And they've been collecting Scott Lobdell and Chris Piccolo's run for the 90s. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. His style is very unique, amazing. I love his figures. Oh my God. I, love, I love the way he draws, like, just objects. I've always liked his noses. Like, and if you look at the, and if you look at Piccolo, the, the, you can tell that he definitely draws from himself in terms of the way those male characters look. But for me, it's his women, because they look nothing like any other comic artist. Yeah, it's amazing, indeed. But um, yeah, this is exciting because, like I said, recently I'd seen some covers from you from DC, kind of cropping up, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. And then I saw, guys, and I saw the Teen Titans one that you did not too long mm-hmm. ago. That was gorgeous. Um, yeah, yeah. The, while I was waiting for the script to to be ready. As they sent me a lot of covers, so I okay, I, I'm gonna draw a lot of different characters. So <laughs> that must was... have been fun. Um, like for you, because um, I know you, I know obviously you previously worked on Wonder Woman, you, you had the Wonder Woman cover that you did. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta ask with all the ones you did, because you did the Seal cover, you did the Superman one, uh, you did the Green Lantern cover. Like, what was the one for you? as a fan you know like as a fan as an artist where you're like this is the one i'm really excited about like if you had to pick one like one character oh man well i have to say it was uh the shazam one i did shazam shazam Uh, shazam Shazam. okay (laughs) lightning Uh, yeah because it 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 was a a favorite of my dad's so Mm -hmm. it was a sentimental value to do that i had to do it very how my dad would react if he he would see that. So it was great. And like, of course, you of course, um, looking back at your work and seeing, I, I love the video they did about you on Cartoonist Kayfabe on the YouTube channel. And because they did, a, they focused on a lot of your the comics that you had done when you were really young, and then they got re- republished through uh, Caliber. Let's let's talk oh, yeah. about that. Oh yeah, yeah, those were done in the eighties. Mostly with my dad, some with another partner, Julio Emilio Brass. Uh, it was science fiction, horror, everything. I think it, there was even sex too, <laughs> me mm-hmm. mixed with horror. Uh, 
Well, it there is a uh, it was uh, I was evolving as an artist, and uh, my my um, my sense of uh, uh, storytelling was still growing. I was still learning while I was doing so. A uh, lot of mistakes, of course, and uh, they were also a bit static because I used a lot of. Um, uh, uh, photographic references. Yeah, but it's interesting. It's weird, <laughs> weird and interesting to to look at. Uh, uh, yeah, I did I did a lot of things. Uh, Leo Proteus, three thousand fallout. Uh, Jonas Criolo, a lot of crazy different stuff uh, <laughs> that uh, people. I'm going to find weird, I think. <laughs> you know what? At the same time, that's what's fun about comics. You know, you dig into it, you find stuff that you never thought of before. Like, um, I remember, well, I mean, they're still around. Oni, uh, Oni Press has always been one of my favorite comic companies. But I remember when they first started, they had they were bringing in people like Brian Michael Bendis. They were bringing people in like Greg Rucka and like Jim Mahfoud and all these people where I'm like, and then Marvel came in and started picking up a lot of them. And I was like, how long are they going to be able to maintain? Because it's like every comp every creator they had was getting picked up. And I'm like, that's interesting because I know with you now working in independent comics, I'm assuming that pretty much as soon as the Marvel contract ended, that you had DC, that DC reached out to you. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, I just did uh, something for Only Press. I can tell uh... you. Yes. <laughs> because that's the thing about uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to do everything so oh <laughs> Todd needed some spawn covers oh, I'm doing spawn and then I did a lot of things and uh, even Teenage uh, Mutant uh, uh, Ninja Turtles I did nice. one cover so I, I'm doing everything it's very been fun it's fun man it's nostalgia you know you because to... I, I was used to be on exclusive contract for so long that now I'm, oh my God, I have to do any, everything. I mean, you look at what you, uh, you know, look at what you done, did with Valiant with the XO Man of War as well. And there's a lot of interesting stuff, you know? But, um, yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at this and. I remember there was that moment because I was really, I've always been a big Lady Death fan. And that's actually where I really first saw your work. But I know you've been working long before that because you'd worked. I was going as far back as doing the um, the adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, which was your first American comic. Is that right? Yeah, oh, almost. I did also. My first one was Santa Claus for Malibu Comics. Yeah, Santa Claus, and uh, um, yeah. After that, the, yeah, then I started with innovation, but I started. First with uh, 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 Quantum Leap and Lost in Space, and then in the end, I did Building the Beast. Yeah, we we've got to talk about Quantum Leap because I know um, you were just what it had been posted not too long ago. Scott Bakula talking about the comics and remembering that, and it's interesting because so many you have a lot of these comics, licensed comics, especially back back around. The eighty, like the early nineties to about late nineties, you had a lot of licensed comics. 
with like the biggest ones, of course, being like Alien and Predator and Star Wars. And um, which they're still huge now. Yeah. But um, the fact that when I saw that post that he remembered the whole story of the comic just off the top of his head. And I'm like, okay, it's cool seeing a work that you had that you made have that impact and have that memory. Yeah, so I, I would never have thought that he, he could he would have read that because you know he's a star, <laughs> and it was very nice uh, to know that. I love that doing those comics in the in the beginning. Um, uh, Lost in I did the initial of Lost in Space too. It was, and I did the one that was very special, Quantum Leap issue that was about the. The Stonewall event that uh, the with oh my god I don't remember the issue, but it was the one of the first comics that told that 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 the story of that uh, uh, rebellion of the about the gay the gay gay pride and stuff. It was very very important to me to be there to do that. It was with Andy Mangos. He wrote that, Andy Mangos. And um, it was a great book. I was having fun. But, you know, Wonder Woman <laughs> showed up. So I had to go. But uh, I, I did some... Uh, one, uh, Beauty and the Beast was, was crazy to do. I, I was doing uh, one colored... Uh, Totally painted page every one day and a half. Uh, I, I, it was crazy. I, it was all all our brushed, and uh, and I actually I learned how to use the airbrush during the the book. If you see my first pages and the last one, there's a lot of uh, evolution <laughs> because yeah. they had to ask, hey, "Can you paint?" Of course I can. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> So I learned why I was doing it. The funny thing is, like looking at the covers in particular, like a lot some of the later covers, I can see, um, I can very much, I can very much see see your your future work kind of showing. There was a pinup that you did, I think it was for issue number four. It was either a pinup or a cover, and you see the beast standing in the front in the front of the page, and then you see the couple on the back of the page, and the pose and everything very much reminded me of what you would do on Thor. Uh, a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, Thor, it, it was, it was uh, my best work at that time. Uh, because that script from Warren Ellis was great. I, I, I'm, I don't understand why they didn't pursue the same uh, storyline. Because it was great. Um, but those were... Crazy times. Um, I was working too much, <laughs> so uh, my work suffered a lot. But but Thor was a was a was a. Uh-huh. There was was good, very good. I want I wanted to ask because previously you and I have talked about a lot of your Marvel work, but I wanted to talk about the fact that you kind of you got to reunite with J. Michael or JMS. We talked about that earlier. What was that like? Like, was it like, um, is the phrase? Do you know the phrase when you uh, put it on like an old pair of sneakers? Do you know what that means? 
where where you know how they say that you know like they're talking about how you never forget to ride a bike uh-huh was that was that that kind of vibe when you got to work with jms again was it like was it like you never forget to ride a bike working no. with somebody like that no actually uh we didn't have much um uh, contact back in the in spider-man uh it, we did also dream police together yeah but but that. we never communicate back then and so i actually when i did uh, uh the resistance was the first time i had i could talk to the, to him uh via email so very nice guy and uh, uh the, the notes he brought was all to help to help my storytelling, help the story. So uh, it was it was very productive and, and good. So, but uh, I I had have no memory to. It was like any other writer when back in Spider Man because I I didn't have any exchange of ideas or anything like that. Um, so and and also I think it's a very different kind of story. And I, I was also in a, I'm, I'm also in a, in a different um, phase of my career, of my style. So they are very apart from each other. I love seeing what AWA has been doing because you have Axel, you know, Axel Lonzo, you have Bill Jameis, and they're both veterans. You know, like I got back into comics during the, during when Bill Jameis and Joe Quesada took, uh, took over Marvel. Like that, like even though I had read comics growing up as a kid, that was the where I was like, "Oh wait, I should read these in order." Because I started reading Ultimate Spider-Man, and mm-hmm. then I went down that rabbit hole, and there were so many just weird and like kind of daring stuff that was going on at the time. Because they were like, "Hey, you know what? We we saved the company. Let's do what let, let's go let's go do some cool stuff." Mm-hmm. And um, uh, looking, yeah. oh sorry. No, it's um, oh okay. the question. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, like you look at it, you look at AWA Studios, and you look at the people that they're bringing in. You look at like people like Mike Choi and Garth Ennis, Rachel Hudlin, Frank Cho. It's kind of like going back to that in a way. Yeah, I, I think for me, at least my view, I I see it more like um, he's doing. Axo is doing a, a a vertical kind of company. You know, yeah. it's more in my in my in my mind, the way I see it. Um, uh, and I, I love his vision of things. He knows me a lot. He's one of my best friends in the in the in the business, and he knows what I like. Uh, the first time I arrived there, he gave me three scripts for me to choose. All great scripts. I had to choose one, so I chose a bad mother and. Amazing, amazing book, and then uh, and so he knows what I like. He knows what fits my style. So it's it's so great, one great book after another, and then there was the Eisner for oh, yeah. not robots. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, dude. I'm so happy for you, by the way, because yeah, seriously, um, and talk talk about your writers. Talk about. Talk about that. That's a Diodata reputation, man. Look at the writers you get to work with. You're working with people like Mark Russell now. And Mark is just like next level, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That, that was a challenge to do that book. Because um, when I first, first read it, I thought it was brilliant. 
and I thought it was uh, Eisner material. I told to my to to Axel, and I told him I, I couldn't do it because I didn't think I was ready to do it because in my mind it was a book that would require an artist like um, Dave Gibbons or the late um, Steve Dillon, that kind of style that uh, you can see it's not too realistic, but you can see humor and, uh, and then I can't do it. And then he said, Mike, you are, <laughs> you are fucking Mike that you can do anything you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you convinced me. And then, uh, what I, but it was a challenge because there was a lot of, uh, there was no, no, no big action and things like that. More, uh, robots and I challenged myself by doing the robots without a face so I, I would have to because they would look more menacing but because they have emotions in their story I had to rely on body language to make the reader understand the, what they were feeling so it was, it was great in the end. I, I, I loved doing but I was, I was not uh, sure I was the right guy yeah, but um, that's that's the thing I always find interesting whenever you talk, because like I see the work that you put out and the work that you put out over your career, and I always tell people, there's that point where, with when a person reaches a certain level creative creatively, where I'm like, you know what, I can understand why this person might have an ego, and then there's you, where you're like, you always seem to underestimate yourself, and I always find that interesting because I'm like. You put out like the, such detailed, such dynamic work, and it's a that mix that you don't see very often. And every time I talk to you, all three times, you're always like, "Oh, you know, I wasn't really didn't think I was good enough to do this." And I'm like, <laughs> "It's actually one of the things I love about you is because of the fact that you are just like you never have a head about yourself, you know." Yeah, I have a big head, but not that one. <laughs> you in the club? Uh, oh yeah. That's why I don't have hair because it would be even bigger. But but yeah, I I, I think it's uh, it's necessary for you to to grow as an artist, as a person. If you uh, think you are the best, or how can you um, evolve if you think you are the best? So it makes no sense. And how you can get. Uh, uh, sincere opinions if people think you know every, everything. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's healthy for you to doubt yourself. Not, of course, in the time when you need to negotiate your contract. <laughs> That's the time you get cocky. But, uh, 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 but before, the, after, besides that, you have to, to be humble and to be always learning it's it's good for your art, so that's no brainer for me. I remember between between our last show and now, I actually got to meet Ron Perlman. Funny enough, cool. And he's very we, opinionated, right? He's always well, have a strong opinion about everything. But the funny thing is, you you see that on social media, but then when you talk to him, he's just so down to earth, and it's interesting the difference between the social media Ron Perlman. But I love, I like. Opinions. Like oh no! So do I. But um, <laughs> in the particular case, he and I were talking about uh, Guillermo del Toro, and because Guillermo del Toro had said that 
not too long pre not too, uh, he had said previously that he um was it the movie Kronos, his first movie. He said, I don't like watching that movie because I see everything that I do wrong. I see all my mistakes, I see this can be better, this can be shot better, this can be done better. And um and I talked to when I talked to Ron Perlman, we were talking about that because I got my Blu-ray of Kronos signed by him. Mm-hmm. And I t- and I told him I I said and he said and he said yeah he said it's the same for me every time I look at a movie that I did I all I see are the mistakes all I see are the things that I could do better and I and I told him I said the moment I think the moment that any creative person thinks oh I'm great there's nothing wrong with this is the moment that they kind of fail themselves as a creative yeah yeah or maybe they it's the, the 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 way around the guy reached that point or he's not creating more anything else and then okay i have to be <laughs> i have to be a a dick now so people will, will keep respecting me <laughs> yeah i don't know what what happens but um yeah it's uh, we have to keep keep growing keep learning and uh, it doesn't mean that I listen to everybody. It doesn't mean that every critic I, I listen uh, to, uh, because otherwise I would draw every panel different from another. Oh, people don't like shadows. People don't like this. People don't like my new layout. So I'll be changing everything. So I I, I listen, but uh, I trust myself and my feelings. I trust my my guts. And I, I choose a few people that I really uh, trust and uh, I, I hear to them like uh, uh, Axel Alonso, Tom Brevoort at Marvel, Brian Bendis, some guys that, are, that I, I know they will, be, uh, they will be honest with me. If I'm doing shit, they're going to, yeah, you are doing, doing shit. <laughs> so, so it, uh, but um, you have to trust yourself but be humble né? It's, it's kind of um obvious thing for me <laughs> there's something kind of that i was going to talk to you about oh, because... i see frazetta vampirella there yeah mm-hmm. great i got that and then i got the um uh yusagi ojimbo over there which one the the blue the blue and white prints uh, oh, that's okay. actually that's a yusagi ojimbo i got through mondo Ah, cool, cool. Yeah, but um, the you you like you've talked about before because even when you first start, even when you first kind of broke into American comics, you would use you came from a point where you were using reference, mm-hmm. and you and you and you unlike there are certain creators who I'm not going to name names, who they who they tend to lean away from that. They say, "Oh, I don't use reference. I don't do this. I don't do this." And you look at some of their work, and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, you do." You know, <laughs> be be straight up about it. Talk about it. And the thing that I find interesting that makes you stand out from a lot of creators who use reference, um, there was a, it was when you were doing Amazing Spider Man, and it was and it was when you started really drawing uh, Norman Osborn. Mm-hmm. Because when you drew Norman Osborn, that like, I I hope I hope I'm not off base when I say this. There is definitely an influence from Tommy Lee Jones. Of course, yes, yes. But the thing that I find interesting is that you see other you see artists, some artists who when they draw from a particular celebrity or a particular model, 
they clearly use a very almost a very flat image of that person and sometimes it can lend to inconsistencies but when uh, you draw and when you reference that you you have that reference but then you tend to do a lot with it to make to be like okay this is what be how he's posed this way this is how he's posed that way that's how he moved that way and i think for me personally it's what makes you stand out in that regard and cuz there cuz i've been known to criticize artists who use reference but don't really go beyond the surface of it where with you you really seem to delve into it do you is that something you kind of note within yourself or you kind of something you kind of take pride in in the fact yeah. that you how you do it yeah well um there is a lot of uh, uh i learned to to use and uh, not to be afraid of using reference when i when i when I met the work of uh, Al Williamson and Neil Adams himself, and well, several artists that use reference, and we see, uh, I have seen in books they use in picture of themselves posing like I do myself. Yeah, like your like your flash cover. Yeah, but I think this the the secret is uh, is not to rely on the only the reference. You do the layout, and that 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 the time you do it very, very loose. It's all the energy is there when you do the layout, and then, and then you adapt the reference for the the layout, and not the other way around. Yeah, and that's you try to keep that energy of the layout, and and you try to enrich the the layout with the 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 light source and the, the details and everything, the expressions that you got from the reference. And um, so, yeah, I'm not afraid of using them, but I think that's the secret. You, you have to keep the energy of the, the sketch you did first. Exactly. And I know with you, you've always, you've pretty much always been a penciler and inker. You're like your own inker. And I yeah. know that kind of gives you the extra level of control. But it's also the extra level of difficulty because it's great because you know what the page is going to look like, but you have to. But you have to also realize I'm going to be doing that next step, and the embellishments have to work, you know. And I don't know about you. I want to get your take on this because is it easier or tougher being your own inker in some ways? Oh. No, no, no. It's it's, it's easier. I, I hate to be ink it. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's the best ink in the world, but it's, it's gonna change my drawing. So, so I'm not gonna like it. No way. So, yeah, of course, I work with the best, like Pimentel and Auclair and very great Brazilian arts. But I, I like to, I like my own mistakes. I like when it's not as pristine and technical as a. The greater inker you think about it, but it's mine. So yeah. uh, I like I like to do it my way. It's my and if I could, I would do the whole book <laughs> writing. Uh, but uh, uh, I don't have either the talent or the time. But uh, yeah, but in nowadays uh, because I'm I'm old, so I'm a veteran. I'm, I've been doing it for so long. I don't even do layouts for myself. I have it already in my head. So I and because I'm working digitally, I do so only a few lines, and then I start 
I start already thinking because I know what I'm going to do. So uh, it saves me time. And uh, yeah, so it's a, oh, hello. How, what's the name? Uh, Cosmo. Hey, Cosmo. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> Say hi to Mr. Yaddo. What's the the breed? Uh, he's I, a terrier Chihuahua mix. That's what I okay. told us. We rescued him. Oh, cool. Yeah. He, he's just tiny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, because it's interesting because it seems like either the goal is to is to have a consistent inker that you work with, or like you said, to ink yourself. Because like you look at somebody like uh, Joe Casada, he's always worked with Jimmy Palmiotti. So it's like you have that. You kind of know what you're going to get into because otherwise, if you don't know the inker you're working with, or they put someone else you're not familiar with, you're like when you see it, you're like, "What? What is this? This is not what I drew." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really don't like don't like people touching my work. <laughs> I'm really uh, uh, I don't like uh, uh, I I don't like inkers. I used to be the 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 terror of the colorists because I used to give notes and notes. Oh, I want this and this. And then with time, I learned that uh, the best way is to leave them doing their thing. I choose the best one I can, and then I leave it alone. It's going to be better than if I keep pestering with details and stuff. And uh, But inks, I, I really want to do, do it myself. It's uh, um, uh, Maybe, maybe uh, if it was, I don't know, what's the name of that inker? Uh, oh my god, the best one, the one that uh inked uh, Garcia Lopez in, in that amalgama thing, the, the daughter face, it's a very um, famous Kevin Nolan, yeah, uh, yes, unless it's Kevin, Kevin Nolan. Nolan's so good, oh yeah, my god, he, he's everything, and, <laughs> and I he's love going, his... His, his word, not mine, but it's Kevin Nolan, so that's. And also Neil Adams. I was so happy when he inked my work on hybrids and and uh, uh, so yeah, because he's my idol. So I and love I whenever. Him. Sorry, I was gonna say I love whenever Kevin Nolan, especially whenever he would do Doctor Strange, oh, like when he would do the pencils and it's just gorgeous. And it's like Jesus, how do you? It's you know what it is. It's the face. It's the way he draws the face. Yeah, all that, 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 yeah. that mouth like that, you know, and, that, and that, that, I know everything, the, the, the lines he does under the skin, and uh, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. angles, it's very dynamic, it's not yeah. quite real, which is, I always liked about his work, I remember there was a friend of mine, you would probably have not liked this person, he was just hating on Kevin Dolan, and because he was like, oh, it's not realistic, and I'm like, it doesn't have to be. It does being realistic doesn't equate to being good. You can yeah. have a book that's so realistic that it's boring. Yeah, you have so many styles, so many great styles. Chris Bacalo, so many amazing styles you have to read. Why everything has to be realistic or, or boring or yeah. Because yeah, there are certain yeah. artists who do it well. Brian Hitch does it really, really well. Like he's oh, got that yeah. sweet spot. Yeah, but, um, because he 
his work is as movement. He doesn't use speed lines or anything, but you can feel the the hero bumping the and the rocks falling. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's, it's a a genius. Like for me, his standout work, even though I love the Ultimates, and everyone always goes towards the Ultimates. For me, it's his authority with Alice. Oh, it's great! <laughs> it's so dy- it's so dynamic, you know. And you see people like Frank Quitely. Oh my God, that's right. so great! The 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 storytelling, the the body language, the, the very negative... distinctive style, you know. Yeah, and then Eduardo Riso. Oh my God, Hundred Bullets is so good. It's so one of the best comics yeah. ever. Why you have to keep? Oh, I don't like this because they're different. They are geniuses. You have to to read them. I wanted to talk about something that you probably don't get to talk about in a lot of interviews. Um, one of my favorite like unsung heroes for comics is Joe Duffy. Because oh yeah, oh yeah, Joe Duffy. And one of the things that really made me happy because I was going back and I was listening. I think it was I can't remember the name of the Rob Liefeld's podcast, but I was listening to an episode. And he mentioned that you both you had done Glory. And I had not yeah. been reading a lot of image comics in the 90s. And I went back and I found those because I've always loved your work. And I've loved Joe Duffy's work since I, since the Star Wars. And it's once you started doing the letter writing for Marvel, because it's that whole idea. It's like, here's this fan who's writing a bunch of letters to Marvel and writing the Archie Goodwin in them. And it's like, hey, you want to write comics? And it's like, okay. That sounds awesome. And like she's for me, like she's always been one of those writers that does not get enough there's not enough talk about her. And she's been she's been getting a bigger presence lately, which I'm really happy about. But going back and seeing this, what was that like? Because that she's an she's like an unsung icon in my opinion. Yeah, I was um back then I didn't speak English. I still don't. <laughs> ah, that's uh, a lie. You exaggerate. Yeah. And then so I didn't have any contact with her. I remember she complaining about one of the things. Okay, I did. I, tell me about this. Tell me what, what did you do, Mike? What did you do? Oh yeah, and so uh, <laughs> there was this big scene uh, with the the Prince of Darkness and stuff. I created. Uh, I didn't remember, but I I created the visual for all those characters. The the, the yeah, all of them, and then. Uh, he was there in the in the room uh, with the other characters, and I decided it was a good idea to put the female character like those Conan paintings with the female. Oh, like uh, the Presenta paintings, yeah. Yeah, not in the same, not but crawling uh, in the feet of the 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 big uh, big guy. Yeah. And of course, being she being a woman and then <laughs> she didn't like it, she complained, but uh, they kept it because visually it was, was very good. But uh, now I understand. Back then I, I couldn't see the, the relevance, but now I I see that she she didn't want the the only female character besides Glory, the first scene being crawling in the feet of the, the other other character. Yeah. But, I can definitely uh, understand that. Yeah. So, but that series, uh, I started doing everything myself, and it was great. But of course, uh, uh, with time, the, my studio took took over because I was doing a million things at the same time. So you you see the quality falling 
very quickly. So in the, I think the first issue was almost all me, and then second, and then you can see the quality. Uh, I am so convinced that in the 90s you didn't sleep at all. Oh, yeah, that's that's where my hair... <laughs> my hair <laughs> stayed in the 90s. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was sleeping only four hours a day. I, I ended up Jesus. going to the hospital because I read somewhere that a politician was... Uh, he could sleep only four hours. Okay, I can do that too. <laughs> I couldn't. And then I was working too much. And now... Uh, by the end of the 90s, you know the story. Uh, nobody wanted to work with me. And then I had to uh, reevaluate and, and rethink my career and find my love for comics again. And it was, I, I had to rewire my brain and took some decisions. I started to learn English, decided to fire my agents. I decided to do one, one book a month. A lot of uh, decisions uh, I decided not to do to do for the the love of the the book and not for the money. The money would come with the quality, not the quantity. A lot of uh, resolutions I made back then that I I follow till today. Because I remember, like for me, I, I kind of found out about your work in reverse because I started seeing your work and I'm like, who is this guy? Because I assumed you were a new artist. Because I, uh, when I saw uh, The Incredible Hulk with New Bruce Jones, because yeah. I saw that and I saw the Spider-Man uh, since past. And I'm like, who is this new guy? His art's really, really realistic and his Hulk is awesome. And I think it's because when I, I the funny thing is I probably saw, I saw a lot of your work when I was younger. Because I, I had the, the first Nightfall collections that had your covers, and I had some of your um some of your Electra issues, which were still the, the, the speaking of layouts, there's a, that double page splash you did where you see her kind of diagonally jumping through the through the glass and you see all the light all the different credits on the piece of glass. It's still one of my favorite images that you've done. But um Looking back, I'm like, oh, I can see it now. I can see where this guy kind of became this guy, where he became that Mike Diodato. And I feel for me, when you talk about doing that one book at a time, knowing that eventually the work will come, that you don't necessarily have to do a bunch of different comics all at once, I feel like that moment, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like that moment was that moment, was the moment, you know? And you kind of had that second renaissance. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh... I had to, uh, if I kept getting work, I would still doing shit. <laughs> I had to be, to get, uh, to be uh, rejected so I could see where I was, what was going on. So I could say, why am I being rejected? And then because uh, a few years back, I was, I met um, uh, uh, Jim Shooter and he said, Oh, I, 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 I can't stand to hear your name anymore because your name is everywhere. So oh, that's a great compliment. And now nobody wants to work with me. And then, okay, something is very wrong. So that was the moment I was, uh, had to. And I, what I did was I look back. I, I don't love comics anymore. I'm working for, for just for the money. And then I, I, I went in my head 
uh, after the the memory when I was happy doing comics. It was when I was doing independent comics in my in my uh, in my bedroom with my best with friend discussing. But it, but it was before my dad. Ah, I was okay. I'm sorry. Then I was discussing with my friend. Oh, let's do this scene and stuff. And it was so fun. And then I was okay. That's what I love about comics. And then I that I could rewire my brain. And okay, so I and uh, and it was a uh, it was not overnight. I had to conquer my 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 way into Marvel again. So it there was a lot of setbacks in the in this way. The first time I did uh, I did um, I did a story the uh, Nightcrawler eleven pages. I did it with my new style of photographic reference, and then uh, I I did with pencils only because I wanted to try that. It was so tight that you could print from that, and then the the editor received oh it's so great so marvelous. Um, uh, but I cannot use it because I have a, a, a inker I hired and he cannot ink this. I have no problem giving back. I did put in the light box, redid everything in the light box with access for the inker to, to ink. Send it to him. Oh, this is great. I'm going to give you an X-Men book. Oh, thank you. And he was fired. <laughs> and then I start again. And then I did, there was a chance to do uh, fables or witches for Marvel. I read the script of fables and it was too complex for me. I was not ready. And then I thought, no, I was gonna I'm gonna work on on witches. And then I did a lot of um, a lot of samples to to get because I was I was competing with an European guy. I never knew the name. And then I got the the book and then I did the first two issues. Very happy, very good. And then Bill Jimas, my uh, <laughs> he was the boss there, and then he read the script. Oh, this is shit. Let's uh, and then he uh, shelved the the book, and then, oh, I have to start uh -huh. again. <laughs> and then, but yeah, but finally, uh, because of that that book, the pages, uh, Tom Brevot liked it, so he gave me Tiger, and then it was a great book. And then Axel arrived at Marvel and he saw my work on Tiger and then he wanted me to do Hulk. And then on Hulk, it was another, I had a, a master class in storytelling by working with Bruce Jones he, because he's not only a great writer, but an artist himself. Every script was exactly how it should be done. It Not much, a lot of details, but if I drew exactly like that, it would work. So I had a, a master class in storytelling and India. And then I, I, I was finally, I, I got my, my place back at Marvel after Hope. There was a, um, I, I feel bad because I'm trying to remember what issue it came from. There was a, when I saw between the time that you and I spoke last, because I, I am a, I'm a huge X-Men fan. So hearing this is like, ah, this hurts. Oh, but it I'm was like... X-Men Limited. I did a, uh, the Nightcrawler story was an X-Men Unlimited. I think it was 11 or 12. Funny was... enough, that's, that's, that was not the one I'm thinking about, though. I'm thinking about there was one you did as an homage to Giant Size X-Men by Dave Cockrum. 
and they have an image of all the X-Men on the stairs. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, that was uh, Wolverine Origins. It was a uh, part of the uh, uh, of a story uh, story arc called Original Sin. Like not, but not the yeah. not the, the the event. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun. I, I love to recreate those things because it's like, oh my god, um, uh, I'm trying. I'm imagining my 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 idols. So it's it's great. I love when I had the chance to do a homage like that. I didn't know until recently that um, when John Byrne was doing X-Men, I didn't know that Dave Cockrum was actually the one doing the covers uh, for the longest time. And when I found that out, I'm like, that makes so much sense because the covers never really looked like Byrne. And I'm like, okay. And apparently, from what I read, it was kind of an ego thing because he didn't like the fact that that, um, Byrne basically saw himself as being like his better on X-Men. So Cochran got the cover gig, so he could be like, no, look how much better my covers are. Because if you think you're my better, I'm going to show you up and do these covers and make it look better than your comic. Uh, And I'm like... I thought it was because Marvel wanted to, oh, maybe fans will will miss Cochran, so let him do the cover, so you keep them... I don't know. I've heard both things. I know, I know, I love love John Byrne, but I know John Byrne can't have an ego. We talk about you know, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. If we're being polite, we're being polite. We say he can't have them, <laughs> but um, I met. I actually met him in a convention. Me too. I was, I was afraid that he would be rude to me because of the story I heard, but he was very nice back then. Yeah. Back then, I didn't know his political point of view. Nowadays, I, I wouldn't approach him. <laughs> I will say I met him like you. I met him before I knew his politics. And the thing that did strike me that I thought was actually really cool, like he had a specific role. He basically said, if you're getting the book graded or witnessed, he won't sign it. But the fact that he was, I remember he was signing up to 10 autographs for free for each person. That I'm like, this is not the John Byrne I heard about. Yeah. 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 He was very, very nice to me. I paid a visit to him. I go, hi, oh, my name is Mike Todato. And then, Shook my hand and then he passed my boot and we took pictures. I met him again in another convention, so it was it was a, 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 a nice surprise. Uh, yeah. Like that, his his work though was still just like especially the X Men the Fantastic Four stuff. Was that was just oh, next level? Oh, it's fantastic! The first one work I met I, I knew from him it was. Oh, not Iron First. It was a, a book from Charlton, I guess. Like in the future. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't know he did work in any work for Charlton. Yeah. But I don't remember the name. Some something like for the I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm confusing with Mike Zack. But it was from for some independent uh, It's called um yeah, he, it looks like it was on Doomsday. Oh, yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because I know they're doing Doomsday and they're doing Space 1999 around the same time. And, like, but yeah, I think it was Doomsday. I need to go back and check. I'm not sure. It's been it's been a while since so I've read that. Yeah. I read it in black and white because a lot of comics in Brazil were published in black and white because it was cheaper. 
Yeah. Oh, here you go. I, I looked it up. Um, so John Byrne did the covers for the first two issues. And then Neil Adams did the one for number four. And then Gil Kane did the rest of them. Like, reading those names, it's like, that's in, that's impressive, man. Like, I would have loved to have been, to have been seen that time where these guys were like, oh, yeah, here's John Byrne, Neil Adams, and Gil Kane. Because wow. I know, especially you, I know you're hugely influenced by Neil Adams. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and everybody... Uh, yeah, Gil Kane influenced everybody. Oh, it's, it's, on, uh, it's the uh, atmosphere. It's the Miller, you can see Gil Kane and Frank Miller, mm-hmm. those devil with this pure friend. And uh, but there is a guy that nobody, uh, everybody learned to draw from him, and nobody mentions him as an influence. It's Jean Buscema. Everybody <laughs> learned how to yeah. to, uh, to do uh, anatomic proportion with John Buscema, and but it's like uh, yeah, I have to mention just the one <laughs> different. The but, thing uh, I the thing I like about Buscema, I want to see if you agree on this. Like he was never, he's never been like the like. I don't want to say his like the way that he worked. I, it's it was more about the structure. It was more about like let's break down the mechanics. Let's break down how you do this. Let's break down how you do this, and then we'll add the flash. Then we'll add the particular like little silence to it. But it's very much an artist who's like we're going to break down how to exactly how to do it right, and then you can add the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's another another guy. I and I love his inks. It's very, mm-hmm. very, and I love them more than you know. Even the the Filipino guys, Alfredo Alcala, with the very, but I like the ones with very uh, big brushes and stuff. It's so great, so great. Yeah, uh, it, adds, it adds so much texture to it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, we talk about Gil Kane, like we, like. You talk at Tomb of Dracula. We mentioned texture, and it's like there is so much mood that you didn't necessarily see about around a lot of his contemporaries because it was such a different comic from anything that was being published by Marvel. Because it's Dracula, you know, it's not like Fantastic Four, it's not X Men Avengers, it's it's a vampire. So you have to have that different take approach to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gene Colan doing Dracula. Oh my God, Gene. I, I once met Gene Colan. I hadn't, I don't know, I had no idea that he used photo reference. In my mind, it, I, I didn't see photo reference. And then, and then he, he told me that he, not, he didn't tell me, it was his wife. He, he, she told me that he was, uh, he was, he didn't like to tell people back then that he used photo reference. He thought it was like a, a flaw of his part. I, I never had any idea he was waterless because it's so fluid, so great. So, oh my God. Well, remember what we were saying earlier. We were talking about the balance. You know, you can't rely on it too much. You have to be able to still create dynamic work, create the layout first, and then create that, bring the reference later, like yeah. you said. And mm-hmm. we've seen it the other way around. We've seen it not work. And you could always tell, you know, yeah. when it doesn't work, that's when people see it. You're right. I am I am not an artist. I'm not an artist by any means. My my mom 
she's actually a graphic artist. She's a sculptor. She's a painter, and she's awesome. worked in charcoal. And it's in and I remember I've had people ask me if I know how to draw, and I'm like, I don't know how to draw at all. My artwork is terrible. Like I'm bad at just straight lines, but um, I think it's because I grew up around it. You know that I get I. I've learned about a lot of the technical side of it. I just can't do it. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, like my, my, my friend and former agent, uh, Dave Campiti is from Glasshouse Graphics. He's, uh, he, he doesn't know how to draw, but he knows how to tell you what's wrong with your drawing. <laughs> so I kept saying, seeing him on conventions, looking at the, and, he would give a way better review, portfolio review than myself, because he 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 knew how to uh, to evaluate that, how to say what's wrong. And, and, and me was just oh, it's great. <laughs> and so it depends. Uh, people not necessarily can have to be an artist to understand about art, right? Yeah, it's um, as I told somebody once, because we were talking about perspective. And how perspective is like one of the toughest things to do. And I and I remember there was an issue of Uncanny X-Men. It was like the last issue by John Byrne. And it was the Christmas one with Kitty Pride with the uh-huh. with the demon. And there's that image, if you remember the first the first page, where you're looking down on her at the computer, but you're seeing the demon above, and you see this perspective shot where it's like, how do you do that? Because it's it looks like you're looking at a 3D image. And then there was that cover that Paul Smith did, where it's that where it's um, Angel when he's held up on like the rack, mm-hmm. and there, and it's that once again it's that corner perspective, from you know the, from like that upwards pers- that downwards perspective, which is so hard to do, but when you do it, you're like, holy crap! Can I ever try to do something like this again? Because it just looks amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I knew Adams is the. Uh, the one that uh, uh, changed comics by doing those figures going oh, almost off the, uh, out of oh, the page. The, the, the X-Men cover uh, where he's breaking through the, yeah, breaking like through the, the perspective, the hands, the, the foot. Yeah, that's, that's great. Great stuff. The fact that he still hated that Superman cover where he's breaking through the Kryptonian chains because he said the perspective is bad. I look at it and I see all the problems, like we said earlier about you know Gambit Zotoro on Kronos. He's like, I look at this page and I don't understand why it's so popular because I look at it and I think it's awful. <laughs> yeah, I never paid attention. I have to look at that. <laughs> but you but you know the Superman cover I'm talking about. Oh yeah, they want to change. But I, I never uh, noticed anything wrong, so I have to look again. <laughs> but we're but you're also we're also seeing that as that kid. You know, we're remembering our from that oh, as a yeah. kid instead of the view from an artist and it's like it would be it's interesting to go back and look at something like that and be like oh okay this is still awesome because neil adams but i i see it I, but at the same time it's like you're neil adams dude you're like you're you're upper you're you're the most upper echelon when it comes to art you know yeah <laughs> but That's um amazing. but it's like they say you're your toughest critic you know oh yeah yeah it's 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 good to be uh, not not enough so you don't don't move or don't or you uh, uh, you talk bad about yourself you have to recognize your strengths and yeah. 
And be humble, but not not talk bad about it. Because if you don't talk bad about your work, so everybody will have to agree, okay. If you don't like it, why do I have to like it? So I I'm excited though. You've got um I mean you've got the you got the flash number one coming out on September twenty sixth on Tuesday. Oh, you know that's yeah. Um, and, cool. and, and I had the, the lucky to to be re- reunited with uh, uh, Patricia Movihill, the the first colorist on uh, uh, Wonder Woman. Oh she wow! Was during during Wonder Woman, so she's there too. And oh my God! Because back then she she didn't have the digital stuff; it was all by hand with a very yeah. limited palette of colors. And she did great, nevertheless. And now, oh my God, she's uh, shining. It's a very complicated book. A lot of things going, a lot of details, and she's killing it. Yeah, it's it's something else, man. Like, like, like I said, like I said earlier, hey, you're even even as long as you've been working because you you're you're a veteran, you're a classic, you're awesome. But at the same time, you're so modern. And that's why I love about your work, and um, I hear that excitement. You know, when I when I talk to you, when I read your when I read your posts on social media, I just hear that excitement every single time. And I think that's that's the difference right there. You know. Yeah. And, no. Really, really the, the stories. Oh my God, the, the guy. It's it has that same. You know that that feeling you had when you read uh, Watchmen. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't translate it into the movie. It was the sense of horror all the time. That sense something very bad was gonna happen. That like those those comics from the fifties, very bad vibe. That's the same thing in Flash in yeah. the eighties. It happened, and at the same time, you see the he kept the the familiar, the family thing going on with the. The mother and the kids and the jokes. There is the lighter moments, but you see that that's something very bad uh, coming for him. Yeah. Oh, he's he's good. Uh, I I I only knew C C by his articles on Bleeding Cool. I, I never heard read anything. So imagine my my shock when I saw it for the first time. Very yeah. great material. And like I said, you get to, really the first comic you read was the script. You yeah, know, and that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's something because you because you have no idea what you're in for, and so yeah, you're just as confused. Yeah. So the readers are going to be as shocked as you are, but you're more yeah. shocked by them because a lot of them have already read his work. And then when you're yeah, coming, I read, you're I, like, read the, the, I read the 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 whole pitch pitching and the storyline. And then, okay, it's a great idea. And then, when I saw the script, it's, it it was worth the 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 waiting because they they kept uh, working on that, and then I doing my covers and where is the script? Where is the script? And when they finally came, it was worth it. Yeah. Um. With that, you know, it's it's been fantastic having you back on again. It's always fun having you on, man. Oh, thank um, you. And. Where now everyone knows your work. They know where to find you. But um and you've got Flash coming out on the twenty sixth. 
where can where can people find your work? Where can people find you on this crazy internet world of social media? Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I always use the same uh, login, Mickey Mikey Dodato, all together. I'm on Facebook, on Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Those are the main ones. And uh, I'm also posting something on that new one from Instagram that I don't even remember the name. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and that's it. And you can find my my best work. Uh, you can find on AWA Studios. It's some of my best work, including the Eisner and Ringo. Oh my God, two two awards! And uh, oh, awesome! Congratulations again, yeah. man. Oh man, so it's uh, I'm so proud of the work I have done there, and there is more to come. And Flash, by the end of the month, you're going to be surprised. It's a very um, different uh, change of pace, but still fast. <laughs> yep, well, you got to go fast. But um, with that, you can listen to Circuit 42 on iTunes. You can listen to us on Google Play, Amazon, and Spotify. And... You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, just under Circuit Forty Two, because we're we're lazy like that. It's much simpler. Um, and with that, just thank you for coming on the show once again, and thank you everyone for listening. And have a great night, everyone. Okay. Great.